0: Love Talk Radio
1: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Safdoon Wong, I'm the editor in chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me as always is Ryan Whitfield, Senior Staff Writer. At football garbage time. We've been on a hiatus for a while, so <laughs> I don't know if you missed us or not, but we missed you all you, and we're back, and we're back, and we got a lot to talk about this week. We're going to be talking, uh, as per usual, our unsportsmanlike conduct segment, where we tell you things that are bothering us in the NFL world. We're going to go our top five team power rankings for this week. We're going to talk a little bit about things that happened over last weekend, including a Michael Crabtree and a Keith Taleb incident. Uh, I'm sure all you saw and heard a lot about that. And we're going to talk a little about Eli Manning, who's getting benched this week in favor of the once jet Geno Smith. And we'll be talking about DFS, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a whole lot of other stuff. So, with that said, hey, Ryan, how you doing? Welcome on back here. We've been on hiatus, as I was telling everybody we miss everybody. Did you have a good Thanksgiving
0: um yeah I had a great Thanksgiving and uh considering I'm coming fresh off of 15 and one week in our Pick'em league I feel an extra good man
1: all right so I knew they had to come up at some point that, so I'll give it to you that is a pretty impressive uh no matter what anybody says about the picks last week that is a impress, pretty impressive record to have for a week you only missed one uh, we were all kind of close behind you but you did you did, you did kind of dominate not, not cool. I'll give you that one not that I'll give cool. you that one well i'll say this okay uh thanksgiving fantastic anyway regardless of not winning the pick this weekend i think it was great i've also had five or six iterations of turkey since thanksgiving day how many iterations of turkey have
0: you had brian so unfortunately for me uh my family was here visiting um from out of town and we had we had Airbnb uh, maybe we could okay. get an endorsement on that uh, but yeah so we, we did a turkey at my uh, at the Airbnb house so they didn't make a they didn't make a very big bird so we actually went through it all in one day so probably oh, wow baseline, but uh yeah only had the one but we did Friendsgiving the week before in my uh, my office had a had a Thanksgiving lunch still. I, I had like three three versions of turkey this year, but uh, a little less normal. Right. It's there. It's it's,
1: that's fair, That's fine, that's that's respectable. i had, like I said, I've had five or six now. I think I'm getting, getting a little bit old, but hey, you know, man, it's uh, yeah, I love that that turkey pot pie, which is basically the last iteration of turkey. It's basically whatever you have left thrown into a pie shell. That's uh, that's my favorite because I know it's over, no more, and we're done with that. Okay, we got a lot to cover, and I've already previewed a little bit of that, but let's. Just so get the here. All right, Ryan, I know that uh, you have an unsportsmanlike conduct segment for us today, something that's really, really uh, nipping at your heels here. So tell us, what is it that's really bothering you this week?
0: So I'll make this one short and sweet, Hakun. But for anyone who watched that Patriots-Dolphins game this weekend, and I've been chirping Dolphins players on Twitter and on Instagram all week. What a bunch of losers. And I'm not even talking about the cheap shots. I'm not even talking about the flying forearm from, uh, from Akiko Alonso on Brady or Cameron Wake wow. with the dirty, dirty leg whip that he put on Brady or the vicious face mask from Indomitian 2. I'm talking about Rashad Jones returning that fumble and then flexing into the New England crowd, a place, mind you, that the Dolphins have not won at They'll be there every year since 2008 when Matt Castle was at the helm. They have, you haven't won there in 10 years. You're on your way to another losing season, and they're flexing, and they're hooping and hollering. And you, got, you got my man there, McCain, a couple years ago, posting the photo of uh, him squishing Brady's head with the, with the tag, Crush Brady, throwing punches at <laughs> Danny Amendola. I, I stood out of my seat on my couch and waved at him off the field and said, See you, loser. You're all a bunch of losers. Kenny Stills, never done nothing in this league, chirping Tom Brady the whole time. And I'm not a homer. I know that I'm a biased Patriots fan, but I am not a complete homer. <laughs> but that organization who hasn't done jack bleep in 20 years, and it's always the AFC East teams who come in here with that verbato, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets. At least the Jets took the Patriots out in the playoffs in 2010. The other two haven't done, oh, I almost swore again, haven't done bleep <laughs> in 20 years. And they come in every year flexing, well, four and seven on their way to another butt whooping in Foxborough. Have fun, Miami, you bunch of losers.
1: All right. So I have to tell you, the most impressive thing about that entire rant to me was that you managed to self bleep yourself throughout the entire rant. <laughs> well done. Well done. I Thank like you. that. Here Thank you go. You. A little bit of applause. Well done. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's, uh, let's put the sportsman-like conduct behind us. We're going to move on now to our power rankings. It's been a while since we had a chance to do these, so we want to do with our top five team power rankings. Uh, Ryan, you want to go ahead and hit it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, no surprise uh, here, I don't think. Uh, most of this is going to be the NFC, but I have right now in the number five spot. I, I finally let them into the top five, but I'm not fully on board. Um, but Los Angeles Rams at number five. I think they've done it consistently mm-hmm. enough that I, I like where they're at. Number four, as much as I know they'll crap the bed and all their false bravado will fly out the window in the postseason, I will right now give it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they're always hype and they're never, uh, you know, never never really delivered. They've been to three Super Bowls in the last 17 years, which I know is better than some franchises, but you got to get past the Patriots. Um, number mm-hmm. three, Minnesota Vikings. Number two, still is the New England Patriots. I cannot... uh dethrone uh the eagles with the way they're playing on defense offense carson Wentz, the running game right now and they have the best record in football so until until they until they give up that top record you got to stick with them at the number one spot
1: yeah so that's uh you know i i totally agree with that and actually we're pretty pretty close on our top five at number five i actually put the minnesota vikings there um you know and that's not saying anything bad about them they've definitely exceeded my expectations ever since Alvin Cook has gone out and ever since, Brad, you know, Sam Bradford has gone out. Kate Keenum is playing out of his mind, playing so well, you can't even put Teddy Bridgewater back in. I mean, it's unbelievable. The guy is getting triple three, four touchdowns a week. Uh, so he's showing some real connection out there with Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, they look like be, and even Latavius Murray is starting to look good. So uh, Vikings defense has always been solid. I, I really like what they're doing here at 9-2. and And number four, I put the New Orleans Saints at number four. And I know that might be a little more controversial, but they won eight in a row until losing to the Rams by one score last week. And that was because they didn't have their top two cornerbacks playing. They're 8-3 and three now. I think they're going to close this out. And I, I feel that they've really kind of turned the corner this year on defense. Not necessarily on offense, but on defense. And that Alvin Kamara is unbelievable. That guy is a human highlight Beast. film. Love him, but uh, number three, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at nine and two. Uh, they have a very interesting Week 15 showdown against the Patriots. Uh, I'm, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I, you know, I, if I had, to, if I was a betting man, I'm betting on the Pats. But you know, I, the Steelers do look pretty solid, and Ben Roethlisberger looks like Ben Roethlisberger holds in the last two weeks. He's uh, compiled over 300 yards and, and three touchdowns plus each of those weeks, and it looks like he and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are all on the same page now. So. Who knows what's going to happen, but uh, the Steelers are three. That means the Patriots are still at two at nine and two. And the Eagles, the unbelievable Eagles, fly Eagles fly, ten and one. Wentz is unbelievable. And uh, the only thing that I have to say is that I hate them for what they're doing with a running back back there. I mean, they're killing me in fantasy. Jay Ajayi is being criminally underused, which is fine because that's what they're there for. But they're basically have a three to four man rotation back there with Clement and... LeGarrette Blount, who keeps fumbling the ball, but they keep giving it to him anyway. Uh, it's I just don't know what they're doing back there. But other, and other than that, they are solid all the way around. I think they deserve to be top of the power rankings. All right, so that is our top five team power rankings. Hey, what do you think about the ways we differ there? Do you, I have the Saints, you have the Rams. Do you have any thoughts about the Saints? Where do they fall for you?
0: Yeah, uh, I would put Saints at, no, at number six right now. I think, I think the NFC is really top-heavy. And, or not top-heavy, the, the NFC's a much greater depth than the AFC's top-heavy. Um, so right. I have no problem putting them sick. For me, I need to see that defense, you know, like you said, they've turned the corner this year, and I like the guys they have on defense. Um, with that said, you know, I have to see it in a bigger spot since we don't have the longevity that we've seen it. The Rams have been a defensive team for years, and the difference right. is that I believe in what uh, what, what Sean McVay is doing. I think everywhere he's been, he's been kind of a, an offensive guru you know, completely I mean look at how the Redskins offense looks at them now. So um, you know, I believe more in the change in the Rams offense than I do in the change in the Saints defense until further notice. So I'm not saying I couldn't be proven wrong, but that's just where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that too, and and it's one of the, one of those things where I just feel like their offense is a, just a whole nother level with Alvin Kamara there and, and Mark Ingram picking it up as well. It's not necessarily the passing game anymore. Burris doesn't have to do it all. He can just dump it off to Kamara three yards down the field and he basically takes the other 50 yards. So, you know, I I just I have a lot of faith in that and I am really impressed with how they were able to turn the corner on defense. But you're right, they haven't showed it uh, of any consistency yet, so who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, it will be interesting to keep an eye on them. All right, going on to our next topic. That's right, Michael Crabtree and Iqib Tlaib, each of them getting into a scuffle this last weekend. I'm sure you've seen plenty of that. They are each suspended two games for their roles in that brawl, which involved Tlaib grabbing Crabtree's chain again for the second time, but the suspensions were recently reduced to one game apiece, and neither player has been happy with even that one-game suspension. Tlaib actually said, quote, Crabtree came out there to fight, man. He ain't come out to play no ball. He came out there to fight. It was premeditated. So he punched Chris Harris on the previous play, came out on the next play, punched me in the stomach. I guess he wanted to get kicked out. Crabtree said, the league said it was premeditated on my part. You know what premeditated is? It's when you say you're going to do something, do it, and then laugh about it with the media after the game, like he, like he did last year. That's all on him. I'm not trying to get revenge. I'm trying to get a catch in my 122nd straight game and help my team win a big game I don't want to get kicked out I know what's at stake for my team of course the real question is is it over are we going to see part three of chain grab uh Tlaib says it ain't going to happen again who knows what's going to happen what's your take on this entire mess between Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib
0: so I have so many so many different opinions on it I'm going to start with you know, I haven't checked in with Sergio Dip in a while, but it's, I think it's fair to say that Vance Joseph is no longer having the time of his life. So, But <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with the rest of it, and I know we're going to differ on this, God, do I love this. I uh-huh. love the fight. God was entertaining. And I love that Akeem. Crabtree is, is such a B word. It's unbelievable. You know, and, and the funny thing is he's whining about it, but he, he, you know he wore the chain, again, because now he can't back down. But then now he wants to cry about it after. Like, you knew what was going to happen. He told you if you wore the chain, he was going to rip it off your neck. So he did it again. He ripped it off your neck. And I even read somewhere that, that Crabtree actually tried to tape it down so Jeep yeah, so couldn't take it. And he still that, it off He came back and said that ESPN got that wrong.
1: But who knows? We weren't there. So okay. who knows?
0: Well, and it was a nice tidbit. So I wish it had been true. Yep. But, um, <laughs> so it makes for a better story. So I'll pretend it is. Yep. But anyways, yep. <laughs> you know, I thought the brawl was great. Now, the part where I flip on the other side, and this is coming from a Patriot fan, although I've, Throughout the, the fleet gate, you know, I think I, re, I remained pretty consistent that I thought that the hatred towards Roger Goodell was, was stupid. It's the owners that were, you know, this is an owner's thing. Um, this was never Roger Goodell. And it's just further example why he's always escaped, though. Now everyone says, oh, he went too far. It was a fight. He's never suspended guys for, for a fight before. Have you ever seen a fight longer than that where two guys were squaring up, helmets were still off, they were they were landing punches on each face? This is this not Andre Johnson losing his cool for 20 seconds. And hitting uh, Cortland Finnegan in the head, or even the fight a couple weeks ago with AJ Green and, and Jalen Ramsey. This was this was a this was a hockey fight. Equipment was off. People were punching each other. They deserved two games, and I don't think it should have been reduced. They both should have got two games. And my third point is, what a joke Jack Del Rio is, and what a joke Vance Joseph is. It's very clear they both have no control. And and I'm sorry, I, I, and I'm all for giving coaches more time. Um, to to develop, and I think that we pull the the trigger on these guys too quickly now. But Vance Joseph, he can't do it. I don't care who his quarterback is. you got to get him done. It was stupid when he let Wade Phillips go, and the whole thing has gone to hell. He he was not prepared for this moment. He was not ready to be an NFL coach. He has no control over his team. I mean, against the Patriots a couple weeks ago, we didn't have a podcast, so I didn't get a chance to talk about this. He had a – on two different special team plays, he had 12 men on the field, and then he had 10 men on the field. That is complete disarray. This man has yep. no control over that football team. You got Derek Wolf coming out after games saying the people are embarrassing us. I don't even want to be on this team anymore. So those two have lost control. They both deserve two games. With all that said, God, there needs there needs to be more fights in the NFL because God was that entertaining.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I have to say I will take the side uh, take your side on the fact that I enjoyed the fight, but I'm still sticking by the fact that they got to be smarter than that. That's just so stupid. Just, they, the Oakland Raiders, they're still in it. They still have a shot. They still can make the playoffs. And and we got Amari Cooper now on concussion protocol. I Maybe mean, we got Derek Carr throwing to nobody next week. It's a you know he's hurting his team. I, hey, it's fun. I love it. You're still hurting your team, Michael. You're still hurting your team. And Akeem Salib, you know what the hell, dude? <laughs> Come on, yeah, you know, grow up. But hey, whatever. I I, I did enjoy it ultimately. Uh, but I think guys yeah, gotta gotta think about the team sometimes. All right. So here we go. That was enough about Crabtree and leave. And if you guys want to see more about that, it's all over the freaking internet, so you can go ahead and go ahead and Google it. But let's go on to our next topic. And I'm gonna go ahead and set you this sound. That is the sound of the New York Giants team season and Ben McAdoo all in one. McAdoo strikes again. He decides to bench Eli Manning and put in the once jet Gino Smith. And you know, I don't know what to say here, but Let's take a look at the facts. The Giants are ranked 15th in pass protection through Week 12, according to Football Outsiders, and they've only allowed 2.3 sacks per game. Uh, Eli has had 2,245 pass yards up to that point, 14 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Not terrible, not great. He's ranked 22nd amongst quarterbacks with at least 180 passes pursuant to DYAR. And, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not terrible. Now, that's missing his top two and sometimes top three receivers. And remember, he's, miss, he's been missing OBJ and Brandon Marshall for uh, most of the year, and he's missing uh, Sterling Shepard on and off because of migraines. So, at times, he had nobody other than Evan, the rookie Evan Engram, who's cooled off considerably. Now, ranked 22nd is still better than others, such as Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Josh McCown, Jay Cutler, Jacoby Persett, and Joe Flacco. What's What do the guys have in common? Those are all QBs who are not in danger of losing their jobs. And at least two of them are with teams that are still in the playoff hunt. Now, I'm not saying Eli is good. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what do you think about this entire thing that Ben McAdoo is doing here? Why bench Eli for Geno Smith?
0: So I've run the full gamut on this. Um, you know, first thing I want to say, just addressing that, that last part you, you, uh, you brought up there. Um, and I've made this argument on the show a bunch and about Aaron Rodgers. I get it. I have a, a Tom Brady bias. But in 2013, the Patriots with Matthew Mulligan—stop um, me if you know any of these names—Matthew Mulligan, the ghost of Austin Collie, Ma- uh, Matthew Slater. <laughs> these were the weapons Brady went to the AFC Championship with in 2013. In 2011, he had the he had Dion Branch well beyond his, his prime, um, uh, Chad Ochocinco with 15 catches, and yeah, he had the two mm-hmm. tight ends with Hernandez and Gronk. But he went to the Super Bowl with that team. I'm so sick of the excuse making. Elite players, which is what Giants fans want to tell you, Eli is. And I'm not taking away his two Super Bowls, um, but you know, an elite player makes makes crappy players around them better. And he doesn't do, he doesn't elevate anybody. He's a good quarterback who had two of the best playoff runs in the history of the game. And those years he was unbelievable. But he is not an elite guy, and it's it's extremely clear. And you know, so for me, the the, the full gamut that I run on this is at first I was very, um, like, what are people upset about? Like, this is. This is a guy who I I wanted to come on here and talk about the fact that he's never had a 100 quarterback rating in a season um, and talk about the fact that uh, most years of his career, even last year, which people actually have tricked themselves into thinking he had a good year because the year that Sterling Shepard And uh, and uh, OBJ had and stuff. Do you realize last year he was like 35 uh, touchdowns and like 14 interceptions? He was a two to one ratio, touchdown interception. That's not good. His completion percentage uh, over the last five six years is in the low 60s, which is standard. That's average. So this outcry that he deserves better at first got to me. However, as the day settled on, and I did the whole, you know, you don't, you know, you give yourself 24 hours to cool down before you form an opinion. They're doing him completely wrong here. This is, you can't salvage a season. There's no future with Geno Smith. If you are doing this for then I'm going to forget the kid's name now, but the, the rookie they drafted this what? year or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, Darius Million- Webb. Uh, Davis Webb, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so if you're doing it for him, then I get it. You're getting him some game experience. But you're unceremoniously, you know, benching probably the best quarterback you ever had because the quarterbacks, what was a Hostetler and uh, Phil Simms, they won Super Bowls with in the 80s, like, Come on, he's the best quarterback they've ever had, and to do this to him for, for this guy, for Geno Smith, come on, man, it's so it's an embarrassment. The one interesting theory I heard floated out by a Boston radio station today was that maybe they're getting ready uh, to clean house managerial-wise from uh, from Reese down to uh, McAdoo after this season. And they don't want the new coach having to come in and be the guy who takes away Eli's job and have to deal with that. So they put this on Ben McAdoo that this is actually coming from the Mara family. You put this on McAdoo, you then fire him, clear him and Reese out, bring in a new coach, a new GM, and draft a new quarterback. And somebody gets to start fresh without that hanging over their tenure. So if that's what they're doing, then I understand that from the Mara uh, perspective. But the rest of it, it's a joke. And he, you know, I actually honestly felt bad for the guy watching him at his locker yesterday, half in tears, trying to, to talk about this. I think he is a stand-up guy. Um, you know, he's never uh, exposed himself to a trainer like his brother did back in college, which gets swept under the rug. So I think he's a pretty good guy, um, and I think he, uh, I think he deserves better than this. And um, you know, I think, I think the Giants are they're they're a joke right now, and they're a mess, and they they are, they are so far away from from returning to, to a Super Bowl. It's not even funny.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And actually, the part that makes me the most, the most baffling to me, is Geno Smith. I mean, right? Davis Webb, uh, their rookie, uh, the fourth round draft pick. Yeah, maybe you want to see what he has. And some people say, oh, you don't want to put so much pressure on him. What pressure? They haven't. They barely win this year. They won two games. Who cares? Throw him in there. I know he's set up to fail because he doesn't have any receivers. But do you, do you want to give him some game experience. Give him some game experience. Gino Smith is clearly not the. He's not the answer. He's clearly not the answer. He is terrible. You know, I just, don't, I just don't understand what they're trying to do with that. And, and, you know, a little bit more of a kick in the teeth because he was a Jet, you know, putting him in charge of the Giants and taking Eli out. They really do. Uh, Eli deserves better than that. You know, and, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, not, I'm with you. I don't think he's great. I don't think that this, this is inevitable that he will eventually get benched. But this was not the right way to do it, and it did not make sense to me. Although I like your theory. that It does make a little bit of sense if that's what they're doing. But I feel like we're giving them too much credit <laughs> if that's what's going on. All right. Well, that's, that's how we feel about that. And Eli, poor guy, uh, you know, he's hanging in there. We'll see what happens going on. And there's been some serious outcry by the rest of the NFL as well. It's actually very surprising how much the rest of the NFL has gotten, gotten behind Eli on this one. So the Giants have done. if the Giants were trying to make more enemies, mission accomplished. Well done. All right. Let's go on to the next topic. (laughs) Let's talk about Jimmy G. That's all right. Jimmy G moving over to San Francisco from New England. He's finally going to get his start. He had that big TD at the end of last week's game, and the 49ers faithful now have some hope. He's going to Chicago this week. He's their starter. He's going to be there against the Bears' 15th ranked pass defense. What do you think are Jimmy G's chances of making an impact with the 49ers?
0: I like his chances. You know, It's the same fight I had with – and I wish we could have been – we knew each other and were on the air back in the Tebow days because we would have had some fun debates. (laughs) But I I get so sick of when you move the goalposts. At first it was Tebow can't play in the NFL, and then he's winning. And it's, well, he can't win at a consistent basis make the playoffs. Then he makes the playoffs. Well, he can't win a playoff game. Then he makes the playoff game. Well, he can't win the Super Bowl. It's like you can't just keep moving the goalposts. And the thing with Jimmy is at first it was, oh, well, he's had a couple good preseason games, big deal. And then it's, oh, he played nice in six quarters, big deal. And then now it's, wow, well, you know, he came in garbage. It's like mean every, every, every situation he's been put into, he's delivered. So at what point do you stop fighting it? And, and with Bill, I mean, Bill Belichick has only really believed in one quarterback the way he had Jimmy G in the in last 20 years, and that was Tom Brady. So I don't know. I kind of trust the guy. You know, it's not the same as, you know, Matt Cass and all those other bums. So I think I think Jimmy with his feet can make some plays. And I think that they have, you know, some guys, you know, with Kittle and uh, Marquise Goodwin, I mean, and Garcon. I mean, it's not a loaded team, obviously, in San Francisco. But are you telling me he can't do better than T.J. Beathard? I've seen him do better than T.J. Beathard. So the rest of you can keep not believing in Jimmy G. I, every time he's been asked to deliver, he's delivered. So I'm done saying he can't deliver until until I see a body of, you know, body of work to the, to the contrary because you guys keep moving the goalposts. I believe in the kid. And, you know, if you look at just stats and time played, Then, okay, fine. You can have your opinion on it. For me, and this is why stats are stupid, if you watch the way Jimmy G commands an offense, if you watch the way he extends plays, if you watch the way he quickly releases the ball, his throwing motion, his mechanics, he has the skill set to be successful, and I think he'll prove that, and I think this week's just the start of it.
1: Yeah, so I I will say this. I watch every Bears game, and uh, this week I'm excited to watch the Bears for the first time in a long time because I actually want to see how Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do I, I am very interested to see how – I mean, it looked very promising, that, that touchdown at the end of the last week, but it's really nothing. I mean, come on, big deal. Uh, I, I know it's great play, but it was really – all it was receiver as well, and he was kind of scrambling out to his left. I, I would like to see how he does in a full game. I actually have – I'm cautiously optimistic on his future. I do think he's better – than some of the other quarterbacks out there that have come out of the system in in New England. And uh, I think he has a a chance of being the quarterback of the future for the 49ers. So I will be avidly watching this game because of the 49ers instead of the Bears because I know my Bears are toast and I'm actually hoping for a good draft pick next year now at this point. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. Dak Prescott, what is wrong with him and the Cowboys? They have basically sunk to the all new lows you know, the Dallas O-line is ranked 16th in pass protection, which isn't all that bad. But over the last three weeks about Zeke Elliott, Prescott has been terrible. Let's put it this way. With Zeke, over the first nine games, he's had 16 passing touchdowns and only four turnovers. But without Zeke, in the last three games, he's had zero passing touchdowns and six turnovers. What's the problem here? Is there something wrong with Dak,
0: or is this just Dak? So I don't think... At this point in his career, Dak's an elite quarterback. I think there's a little bit of a sophomore slump going on here, which is a real thing. Look at Todd Gurley. We've seen it before. Um, but also, I mean, you've got Des Bryant, who, for whatever reason, they just don't have good chemistry together. They never have. And maybe it's their play styles. It's just they don't have good tem- chemistry. Terrence Williams, overrated. Cole Beasley, overrated. Jason Witten, over the hill. You know, so he has no weapons. He has no running game now. And, and the offensive line, which I, I still hear like a casual football fan when I'm like in the office and stuff. I'll hear people talking like, whoa, man, he's got that great offensive line. Like, no, actually, if you went into the season and actually looked at it, they were ranked outside the top ten by every major football site there was. They're, this is not the same offensive line. So, they, you know, you say 16 isn't that bad, but it's not good when you have no running game and you're only your only good weapon you don't have real good chemistry with. So um, I don't think Dak is ever going to be an elite quarterback. I think at, you know, at his peak, he can be a Tony Romo ass. Somebody, uh, hopefully, was a little less, uh, a little more clutch, you know. Somebody that can be okay. good enough to get you to playoffs to win some games, but, uh, you know, he's not the guy that's going to win you games. So, you know, yeah. they, they, need the, they, need the, they need the tools around him. That's why Zeke's going to knock the crap off. Yep.
1: I uh, You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here, but I, I just don't see them turning it around, and I totally agree. When you watch him and Dez on the field, it's like they're playing two different games. They are not on the same game plan, and you can tell at some point in the second or third quarter, Dak starts pressing and forcing passes to, 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 uh, to Des Bryant, probably because he's complained about it or because he's afraid of getting in trouble. I don't know what the deal is. It does not look good. Things are not all right in Dallas. Things are definitely going downhill, and it's not going to get turned around until Zeke Elliott comes back, as much as I hate to say it. All right, let's go on to our last topic real quick. we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to talk about daily fantasy football you want to give us two value picks or two good picks that you have this weekend that you are would be likely to play in daily fantasy football.
0: Yeah. Thank God. Uh, we only have a little bit of time because I only had two prepped, but um, I'm <laughs> thinking Dion Lewis who's going for 5,500 right now on uh, DraftKings. Um, I think it's good value for a guy who's producing right now in the pass game and the run game is a future back in New England. Number two, I'm rolling the die, baby. I'm going Josh Gordon at $4,100. Oh. I've been watching all the clips all week on Instagram. I think this man is still in good wow. shape. I've picked him up in a bunch of different leagues, and I am I am so ready to see Josh Gordon back out on that field, high or not.
1: Wow, that's exciting stuff. That is really exciting. I mean, I, I didn't even think about Josh Gordon. I did have him on my radar for, fantasy, uh, for uh, full season fantasy, but I didn't really think about him for DFS. That's an interesting thought. Two guys I like. I like... Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. He has had double-digit fantasy points in all but two outings, and that's including the half outing during that Nate Peterman debacle. He's also the uh, he's also the 20th priced quarterback in terms of in uh, pricing uh, in DraftKings at just 5400. I don't think he's the 20th best quarterback. I think he's way better than that. Uh, he's also only 7300 on FanDuel, which is the 19th uh, uh, listed quarterback there. Uh, the Pats defense has been better of late. They're still ranked 25th in pass defense. And it's a pretty good bet that the Bills are going to be playing from behind, so I see him doing. will have to do a lot to create, and his rush yards keep the score high. The other guy I like is one of your guys, your guys from last year, Jordan Howard. I think he's going to have a nice bounce back game <laughs> here. He's all the Bears have in terms of weapons, and this week they're get to play the, the one win 29ers and their 22nd ranked run defense. He's uh, had some down weeks, but he had big ones as well. He has the third-most carries for the fourth-most rushing yards and the fifth-most rushing touchdowns of any running back this year. His price is depressed all the way down to $6,500 in Kings and 7500 in FanDuel. I like where he is. All right, that is all the time we have. I'm going to blow the horn on the entire thing. Give us your Instagram and Twitter so people can follow you.
0: Yeah, first I'll just say the Patriots' defense – is, is the number one scoring defense over the last seven weeks. So good luck with that. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield, N-E. And don't forget to check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports.
1: Excellent. You can follow me at FB Time. And until next time, enjoy your NFL.
0: Season. Hey, Kuhn, I'll send you my picks early this week if you want to copy and take notes. Ha, ha, ha.